When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Retail's competitive landscape is heating up as legacy brands increasingly compete with digital counterparts that boast six-month lead times and one-to-one consumer relationships. It's imperative to deliver the right product at the right time. This requires brands to become more informed about the consumer. Yet despite spending millions of dollars to become rich with new information, the teams responsible for building the assortments continue to move blindly. Fashion executives all want to digitize their businesses, but building consumer responsiveness Within product creation and go-to-market processes often leave them wondering how to get there and what they're even trying to achieve. I'm Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal, and I'm here with Dan Leahy of product decision platform Makersites to discuss some of the steps brands must consider and execute to deliver consumer-informed assortments. Dan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So a lot of companies have become rich in consumer information but not actually responsive to their consumers, which, you know, is it the same thing? Can you explain the distinction here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talk to to executives at brands, you talk to decision makers at brands today, and no one's really saying we don't have enough data. Um, But you ask people who are responsible for bringing products to market within a brand, and you ask them, do I have the data at my fingertips that's important to guide the actual decisions I need to make? The results are a lot more mixed there. So for all those companies out there that are sitting on a ton of data that aren't seeing the transformation they hope for, what is often their biggest impediment? Yeah, I'd say the biggest impediment uh, to making data actionable is to actually like operationalize the data. How do you build it into your actual processes and your day-to-day processes and not have it just be something that um, kind of wax poetic to investors about or you talk about it for strategic offsite, but it doesn't affect the day-to-day. Um, and so that requires buy-in from the teams and, and, and to get that sort of buy-in, uh, you need to be delivering that data in a format that the decision makers can actually act on. I need to deliver it in really tight timelines um, in which these decisions are made. And historically, if you have kind of generalized uh, analytics tools, those aren't those don't necessarily understand the nuance between a decision you're making of which conceptual direction to go into versus crafting a global line versus like, I want to ski rationalize uh, where are my biggest opportunities to do that. So tools that aren't built for that retail decision making and uh, end up being a bit generalizable and hard to put into practice for the real decisions that need to be made. What can you tell us about how your platform differs from a traditional PLM? You, you maybe think of a PLM as, as being a, a kind of source of record for the things that I've done or the things that I'm doing. What it's not is helping you decide what should I do. And so our our perspective is there's been a gap in the market. That that gap has historically been um, filled by, you get everyone together in an auditorium a few times a year and you sort of hash it out cross-functionally. But with the, the changing nature of retail and the importance for that to be much more responsive decisions, those decisions happen a lot faster. Uh, we wanted to help facilitate that in a way that um, could help compress this product to market process from the 18 to 24 months that many brands are used to, to, to much more kind of analogous to these direct to consumer digitally native brands who are, who are going concept to market in three to six months. How does the workflow need to change to foster this faster, more agile way of working? 
the consumers yeah. want it, but I'm not convinced that all of the companies are able to respond to the consumer demands. I keep saying you have a customer that wants a product in 24 hours, but a supply chain that takes six months to deliver on. So you need to meet consumers where they are. I, mean, I think it's crazy that our industry uses the word customer, not to refer to a consumer who's actually buying the products, but customer has always been the, the buyer at a, at a retailer. And I think that, that tells you a lot about what this sort of, kind of how this model was created. And so we believe there's gonna be a slow death of the reveal. We think ideas need to make their way up and down a organization from design all the way to the markets in much less time. Uh, we don't think that's gonna be these large in-person handoffs from one silo to another. You have to break down those silos and you have to get people on the same page faster if you're gonna make the same amount of decisions in a much shortened period of time. I don't think you could survive just as a wholesaler anymore. You need to have a DTC model. You may have to have the brick and mortar channels to, to complement that. So to your point, you're adding so much more sophistication and your decision-making process that if you don't change how you're, 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 you know, you're, you're planning, it's, you're inevitably going to fail because it's not a one-size-fits-all model any, anymore. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and the rise of e-commerce isn't, isn't all good. I mean, from a margin perspective, you have higher return rates. Like there are some some cost implications of that shift that um, that are are challenging on the bottom line. But the the big benefit of it is direct access to consumers and the data that they generate in a direct relationship with those consumers. That is allowing brands who are willing to invest and to build the competency to respond to those consumer needs, to speak to them, to um, be much quicker to like learn and iterate. I mean, if you have the ability to learn and iterate in three to six months and your competition is doing it in 18 to 24 months, you're at a structural advantage and you will win. And I think that the, the brands who see that are investing heavily here um, and, and others, I think, are going to be in a, uh, in a tough situation. So I have one, one more question. I, I know you'll be joining us again at the summit in October, which I'm super excited about. And you're going to be presenting a case study around the topics we discussed today. But can you give us an example of a company that's truly responsive to their consumers and how this fuels their business? Maybe I'll, I'll cheat and give you two, but kind of the two different flavors I see of retail. So when you think of a digitally native brand, responsiveness is, is part of their DNA. And I think a, a way to kind of measure this is a digitally native direct-to-consumer brand. They wouldn't think of making a product investment without knowing how the most recent version of that product performed in Facebook advertising. That's just like, you would never do that because like that's a huge driver of your growth. You ask anyone at a big brand if you've ever had data in terms of like the marketing effectiveness of past product, and they would, they would look at you like that's out of the Jetsons, like that could never happen. Um, and so you have this kind of ingrained responsiveness and, and kind of interconnectedness between marketing product and, and the consumer um, at the direct consumer brand. So one, one of our brand partners, Taylor Stitch here in San Francisco, I think they're a really interesting example of, of taking uh, responsiveness to, a, to a, almost an extreme where they do a workshop where people are kind of pre-purchasing products. They're not committing to inventory until someone's done it. They then are running a general line, but throughout the process, they are constantly de-risking uh, their product in large part because their consumers care a lot about waste reduction. Their brand stands for that. And this is a great way to reduce the pretty offensive level of waste that the traditional processes in retail take. So I think there's, there's brands who've started there and own that. Um, but you're seeing more kind of uh, traditional brands, like someone like New Balance uh, in the last year, they've taken this opportunity of what the sort of pandemic has driven and 
I mean, 50% of their sales are happening in digital channels. That's a huge shift from what it was a year before. And they are, they're talking about, and they've made public statements around the responsiveness they built into their process, their speed to market, their embrace of analytics to take advantage of all this data that's now coming in that used to just be obfuscated because it go through the retailers. Um, you're seeing some really impressive results um, for older line brands who are embracing this new mindset. And they have some really impressive scale uh, benefits and brand benefits that they can take advantage of in this sort of new world. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of these larger retailers tend to want to acquire some of these brands because they want to acquire the knowledge, the, 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 the thought process of how they're operating. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a mindset. I mean, someone like Stitch Fix, Stitch Fix doesn't have any samples and their entire team works with no samples. And they have many people who come from traditional brands who say like, I could never make these product decisions without samples, but they've built that institutional trust around data so that we don't need samples. If you don't have reliance on samples, the, kind of, the, the compression of that product to market process is massive and you're more responsive to your consumers and ultimately more successful. Well, Dan, I find this all super fascinating and I'm really excited that you'll, you'll be joining us again in October. Always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, thank you again for taking the time to join me. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Eddie. Appreciate it. See you in October. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.